0: So we're having kind of a short series on dating and relationships. We're calling it Waiting, Dating, and Mating, because it rhymes. We're going to have a discussion tonight about relationships. Whether you realize it or not, you are in the middle of many, many, many relationships. Whether they're friendships, peers, dating relationships acquaintances, church friends, work friends, family, distant family, like distant, distant family, the people you don't even know, but you see them at family reunions every year, but you don't ever talk to them because you don't know them. And the list goes on and on and on of how many relationships you actually have to navigate and manage. And on top of all of this, we're even trying to manage not only physical relationships, but also digital ones as well. And like, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you actually have a physical reputation and you're trying to maintain a digital one as well. And you're trying to like maintain all of this all the while, like making decisions and choices that don't really like serve you well. There's much to remember when it comes to maintaining relationships. I mean, do you have to like keep track of who you're really close to? Who's in my inner circle? Who am I actually frustrated with? Am I actually on good terms with this person? Why every time am I having an interaction with this person, why is it extremely awkward? It's okay to be this way around certain friends and then around other certain friends, you're trying to act a different way and trying to manage a different profile or image. Relationships are very difficult. And relationships are sometimes messy, right? You ever been in the middle of a messy relationship, whether it be friend, peer, family, dating relationship? Relationships are messy. As high school students, there's this unspoken pressure that maybe you experience or see that you need to be in a dating relationship. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. I felt this pressure. And I didn't date throughout high school and it wasn't by choice. I desired to be in a relationship. And all my friends were in relationships and it just seemed like one after the other, they were always in a relationship and it was something that I thought I actually Needed to be complete. I need to preface that uh, high school Adam was not a totally independent person who didn't need another person to make them happy. I felt like something was wrong with me because I wasn't in a dating relationship. So I didn't date in high school. I only dated one person by the time I turned 18. We dated for five years and it led to a marriage. I only dated one person and I married her. And many of you know that I'm not married anymore. But there are things that I learned along the way that helped shape and mold me into the person I am today. And it's even how I counsel people. It's shaped how I even talk to people when it comes to relationships. I've talked to many students, some in this room and some in other student ministries that have talked to me about their relationships. And there's been a couple uh, monumental things that I just keep going back to. And so these are some things I wanted to share with you in for this series or kind of some of the common things that I want to share. If I just had a chance to advise you in some of your relationships, if the advice I would give you is what we're gonna talk about Today, so I want to preface though a couple things before we dive into scripture, and we are gonna hit the application um, really hard tonight. So we're gonna get, I want to get practical for you guys. This is for you. I'm not trying to um, exegete or um, get super head knowledge in um, the original language in scripture tonight, but I do want to just get super practical talk on your level when it comes to dating and relationships. So a couple things I want to preface. I'm not anti-dating. I'm anti being an idiot while dating. I'm not telling you to date against your parents' wishes. That's a conversation that is between you and your parents. So don't hear Adam giving you the green light to go ahead and date whenever you and your parents have other plans. I don't override your parents um, on this topic and lastly, I need to address that the Bible doesn't outright address dating. And in fact, it actually has some stories that aren't in favor of it. Like a guy had to work for this dude for seven years, and he ended up getting his ugly sister. Uh, it's a whole mess. And then he had to work a seven more years to get the actual woman. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Okay, it's a really good story, though. You should read it. Um <laughs> But the Bible doesn't like outright address dating, which makes it really difficult because we're in such a crazed culture that emphasizes being in a relationship with another person. So the Bible doesn't address dating, but it does address relationships and it does address wisdom. And I think many of us in this room are carrying along with them a plethora of baggage full of regret that keeps getting towed around like a pack mule because time after time you've given yourself fully to someone who hasn't given themselves fully to the Lord and the wisdom that he has for you both. So I'm not here to shame you if you've struggled with sexual integrity. I'm not here to say you must break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend if you're in a dating relationship, though some of you would be better off if you dropped a dead weight, you're calling a significant other. I'm challenging you. (laughs) If the shoe fits, bro. (laughs) I'm not saying she is. I'm just saying if she is. If the shoe fits, gladly wear it. This is for free. I'm just giving this to you. See, we we already come up with our defenses up like, she's not dead weight. I get it. But she's really pretty. Okay? Adam, you don't understand. She's gorgeous. And beautiful. <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> and lovely. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I'm challenging you tonight though to fight for wisdom. To fight for wisdom in your relationships. Wisdom is the thing that will help you live with fewer regrets in your relationships. So, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at two verses tonight. That's it. Two verses. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 15 and 16. If you have the church Bible, it's what page? 1,038. We're in chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Can someone read aloud, loudly and clearly, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16? Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. My translation says pay careful attention. Look closely. How? How you live. Not as unwise people, but as what? But as wise. Pay careful attention. What this verse is telling me. Live intentionally. Be intentional. Like, live on purpose. Live on purpose for a purpose and with a purpose. Pay close attention to how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. I think this verse has much to say. It's only two verses. But man, does it really direct us in our relationships? And it's not just dating relationships. This, this has much to tell us about our friendships, about our family relationships. It's like that one thing, if I could just tell you in your relationships, it will make you live with fewer regrets, is that you walk in wisdom, that you live intentionally. Don't just float by and drift in your relationships. You cannot You cannot put your relationships on cruise control. You just can't. And you never drift closer and deeper in love with another person. You'll never drift that way. Like, oh, I just woke up and all of a sudden I was just in love with Jesus. That's never happened. You've never drifted into a closer relationship with Jesus and you'll never drift into a closer relationship with another person. Relationships take intentionality. And it takes wisdom. And it takes purpose. We need to walk in wisdom in our relationships. So in light of this, I want to give us um, three application pieces. So our series name is called Waiting, Dating, and Mating. And I have an application piece under each one of those categories. So under the waiting application piece, this is the nugget I would share with you. If we're sitting across each other from the table, I would say it's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. See, so there's this myth, like this right person myth. I need to find Mr. Perfect. I need to find Mrs. Perfect. And then we just ditch them at the first sign of imperfection, right? We need to stop putting the magnifying glass on everyone else around us and then neglecting our character. But I think we do this. We have this some sort of hallmark movie idea that I'm going to find this person and they are going to be absolutely perfect. No one in all of humanity except Jesus has exemplified perfection. We're on the, lurk, on the lookout for the perfect person and we just come out judging every person in every little detail and we neglect who we really are. So we need to ask ourselves a really important question in light of this, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? What if I become just like the person I'm dating? Would I be embarrassed or would I be proud? is the person I'm dating helping me become more like Christ? That's a serious question. And I would venture to say, if that person is not helping you take steps forward in your walk with Jesus, dead weight. I don't care how pretty. I don't care how strong or attractive that person is. If they are not helping you take steps forward in your walk with Jesus, they are not worth your time. What would wisdom say about the person you're allowing to have access to your heart? And I can't answer this question for you, but I do want to ask you the question, what would wisdom say? Because here's the thing, you already know if this person is good for you or not. You already know. I don't need to spell it out for you. We need to stop focusing on trying to find the right person. Start focusing on becoming the right person. Secondly, for dating, choose character over chemistry. Some of you, the romantics out there, but chemistry is (laughs) important, right? (laughs) I get it. I'm not saying it's not but sometimes our rubric is shifted into it's all about the fireworks. It's all about the attraction. It's all about looks. I'm gonna say choose character over chemistry every time. Why is character more important than chemistry? Because with character comes trust. Trust is thrown out in buckets and filled back up in teaspoons. And you know that's true. You ever broken someone's trust? Has someone ever broken your trust? And you find it hard to trust again with that person or in humanity at all, because trust is thrown out in buckets and it's filled back up in teaspoons. Chemistry may spark an exciting and magical relationship but character will keep it there. And no person, no person can ever fill a Christ-side hole in your heart. Only Christ can do that. So we need to get off of this idea that I need another person to complete me. No one was ever created to complete another person. You are your own individual Person. And God made you so incredibly unique and you don't need another person to complete you. You are complete in Christ. We need to choose character over chemistry. If you have a hard time trusting this person, that's a major red flag, major red flag. And if someone has broken trust, the damage is not beyond repair. Hear that. The damage is not beyond repair. In my marriage, trust was broken a number of times in a number of seasons. And in that, I know that my marriage was not beyond repair. But it does take two people. It does take repentance. If someone has broken your trust and they're having a hard time repenting or they're having a hard time saying that was on me or if they're saying that was on me but you also had a part to play in it, that's not repentance. The relationship is not beyond repair just because trust is broken. But like we said, it does get filled back up in teaspoons. It does take time. It will take some effort to restore the relationship, but it is not beyond repair just because trust has been broken. Sometimes trust can be broken on lighter ways, like a lie, and sometimes trust can be broken in more serious ways, which is you're going to create more time and more seasons to show a person that I'm with you on this and I'm for the relationship. But man, I would encourage you, put an emphasis on Character over chemistry. And lastly, I'm gonna say I want to pull out a pair of sunglasses with this one for mating. Wherever you draw the line is where you'll be the most tempted. Wherever you draw the line, I'm talking boundaries. Guardrails, wherever you draw the line, that is where you will be the most tempted. That's why you're having a hard time maintaining pure whenever your boundary in your relationship is, I just won't have sex. Because guess where you'll be tempted the most? At that line. And by demonstration, I want to show you how this can play out. I need probably who would deem themselves as the strongest, biggest person in this room. Just self-appoint yourself. This is just an illustration. I need the biggest, strongest person, but I also need the smallest person. <laughs> Eli. Eli. Yeah, Eli. Now I need the smallest person. Okay. Huh. I need I need a big I need a big person. Come on here, man. Give our Give our helpers a hand. Alright. I need room on this. (laughs) Okay. Chill, bro. Okay. Um how am I gonna do this? Alright. Then I want your feet right here on the line. Of the stage. Eli, don't just throw him off the stage. But I do want you to stand behind Ben and just give him the force you think it'll take to get him off that stage. Okay. That's fair. And how hard do you feel like you pushed out of like, whatever, 10 out of 10, how hard did you push him? Like three. a three. It took a three to push you over the stage. Now, Ben, Ben and Eli, I want you to come back here. Don't knock over anything. Um, all right, Eli, I want you, in one push, to get Ben off this stage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't do it, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's all I need. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Here's the reality. We set our boundaries up, tiptoeing the edge, so it doesn't really take much at all to push us over when we enter into the land of regret. But wouldn't wisdom say, why don't I set the line back far enough to where if I do fail, I don't have to deal with regret? That's what wisdom would say. But why is it that in our relationships, we just think, I'm mature, I have self-control, I'm just not going to have sex? And then all of a sudden, in a moment of weakness, you find yourself doing things you thought you'd never do. And it's not just in dating relationships. Wisdom would say this in all kinds of boundaries. But if we set the the line back far enough to where in a moment of weakness, I'm not actually beating myself up because I blew a major commitment, but actually I set myself up for success that I know I'm walking in wisdom here. I'm not going to give anything away that I shouldn't be giving, or I shouldn't be walking into a situation where I'm actually opening myself up emotionally for things I'm not ready for yet. What would wisdom say? Because wherever you draw the line is the area you will be the most tempted. you know that's true. You know it is. So what do we do with this? The thing that we could all benefit from is seeking the Lord and asking for wisdom. We need to truly ask ourselves a question that will shape who you want to become. In light of my future, because of my past circumstances, in light of who I want in my future, what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? For some of you, it may be, I don't need to be in a relationship right now. Or I've allowed a person to have such access to my heart that it's actually, I know that I am not in a good spot in my relationship with the Lord. I'm allowing someone to influence me in a way that I don't want to be influenced. What would wisdom say? And I can't answer this for you. Only you and the Lord know your current circumstance and your current status of your heart. But I'm challenging you. When it comes to dating, when it comes to allowing someone to have access to your heart, will you walk in wisdom? It's possible. It's gonna take boundaries. It's gonna take guardrails. And If you're in a relationship right now, and I can just imagine you're in a relationship, the boundaries have been pushed, and the the very second you can even even imagine this, if you're going to have a sit-down conversation with that person and say, I really think we need to establish some boundaries, they're not going to be okay with it. Guess what? You have a decision to make. You are not responsible to complete another person. You are never responsible for another person's happiness. And if they are not happy because you are deciding to take active steps forward in your relationship with the Lord by establishing boundaries, dead weight. What would wisdom say? What's the wise thing to do? I'm challenging you. There's a way today to honor the Lord, there is. It takes intentionality. Like Paul was saying, pay careful attention to how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So will you choose to walk in wisdom when it comes to your relationships? Let's pray. God, such a heavy topic God, I don't know where each student or leader finds themselves tonight. God, there may be people just weighed down with shame and guilt. And God, may you lift their head up tonight. God, there is a way to move forward. And it's through the path of wisdom. So God, we ask for that. Would you give us the boldness and courage it takes to walk in wisdom in our relationships? that we not just carelessly give ourselves fully to someone who has not given themselves fully to you first. God that we live with purpose. That this person that I am choosing to associate with that they actually point me to you. God may we surround ourselves with people that do that. God, I pray as we enter into our D groups, that you would just allow us to be real, that we could share and that we could pray for one another. God help us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.